0: <laughs> no. <laughs> what your answer?
1: let the ball on! Beckham! Beckham!
0: Beckham! Oh no!
2: Oh yes!
3: He missed it! Welcome to the Suffering and Joy podcast. My name is Devin. I'm joined here today by uh, Brad Tillery, Seth Who Knows All, and Charles Peacock from The False Nine. Uh, we're here to discuss the depressing, uh, saintless city uh, three Austin FC two match. Uh, guys, you want to say hi? Hello. Hello. Hey there. Uh, how are we feeling? Uh, it's the morning after. Everybody uh recovered to the extent uh, physically, at least,
0: uh, from the game yesterday. Like I said, yeah. it's, really, it's really easy to recover when you're just sitting on your couch watching it.
2: Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. No, no, I'm feeling recovered. I got coffee and uh, some breakfast tacos this morning, which is kind of my usual recovery of food. So um, despite the, the sadness that has been going on, uh,
1: I feel okay. I'll be better uh, later on today, I think. I, I had the back-to-back nights of Verde Verde Fest and, uh, and then the pregame where we're selling merch for Los Verdes, both of those. So uh, I didn't actually like really settle into, oh, it's game day until I was walking to the stadium.
2: Yeah, there was also <laughs> yeah. a, a minor match in England this morning that I was very happy about. So that was good. Uh, It's a fake trophy, but we'll get into that later. Um, (laughs) Hey, I say that even if we win it.
3: Um, So at least I'm consistent. But uh, yeah, so I had an interesting one. We took, um, my dad came into town because he's from St. Louis. Uh, We had my in-laws go to the game and they sort of weirdly, when I bought tickets, ended up right next to Brad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And uh, then when I
1: I sat down, I was like, uh, just whatever comes up my mouth, I apologize. So, yeah,
3: (laughs) I mean, they've been to sporting events before, so I'm not (laughs) wasn't too worried about it. It It's just like, hey, if people start chucking stuff at them, like say something nice or whatever. But um,
1: No, they were perfectly fine.
3: Okay, good. And then I had a couple other uh, St. Louis City friends pop up and in and out and around. So it didn't even really feel like a game day to me either. We normally do our like park at Oscar Blues, get a beer or two, walk over to the stadium. But we got like. A parking pass so we didn't have to make people walk as far and like everything just felt off to me Uh, Seth how was it from your uh, headquarters in Chicago did it feel like a game day yeah I mean actually
0: uh, Apple did a really good job of making it feel like a game day I did upgrade my TV in the off season because I realized my old TV was only a uh, was such an. I mean I don't even think it's that old I think it's like 2015 but it was too old of a Roku where I would have to get i couldn't get the apple tv app on there so Mm -hmm. i use that as an excuse to buy a 65 inch tv because why not um and i will tell you that the picture quality the way that they led into the game day setup was really impressive and for road days when you're not hitting hitting the road it's going to be really nice to have the apple experience
3: good uh did we ever actually get a real kickoff time yesterday before the game because obviously i was there i didn't Check my watch or anything, but are we yeah, doing no, 7.38 so now? 7.39, 7.39, okay.
0: nine minutes. Um, the lead-ins were kind of interesting, because what they're doing now is, so you'll have East Coast games will obviously kick off an hour earlier than Central Time games, and before that, there's about a half-hour show, sort of reminds me of, like, the CBS or Fox lead-in to the NFL, where you're there for most of the time um, in the studio there with the MLS 360 host, and then that they'll do a little bit of coverage of all the matches, and then about 10 minutes before kick, they kick it to the um, match side commentators, and then they'll go do that. Some of the matches did a really good job of showing Tifos, and sh- some of them even played the anthem, which, I don't know, that's just go to commercial during the anthem, uh, but there's <laughs> trying to find that balance there. And I, so I think they're going to play around with the format a bunch in the next few weeks. What's going to be interesting is, so yesterday we had no Mountain Time matches because RSL was up in Vancouver and Colorado was in, um, what you call it? they're in Seattle tonight. So that there was no... Ma- lead-in there, but you had a lead-in on the Central Time matches for us and for um, SC Dallas, where they had a separate set of hosts that were not the MLS 360 hosts. I think it was Jillian Sankovic and Andrew Weebe doing a pregame for those two matches before that. So I think that they will be – that sort of like this B crew is going to be doing the pregame shows for the later kicks while other matches are going.
3: Okay, interesting. And Brad, I know you did a, a rewatch this morning, so how's the kind of like post-game interface
1: yeah, you know, it's it's weird. It's not easy or intuitive to find the actual full replay, right? You have to hold down a button when you get to the game because if you just go straight to last night's game, it'll show you a seven-minute highlight package. Yep. But it doesn't have an option immediately to watch the whole game. You actually have to hold the play button, and then it pops up to where you can get your options. Um, but when you watch it, I mean, I actually thought the broadcast itself was smooth, um, very – the definition was fantastic to be able to watch. Uh, that, that was noticeably different. Um, you know, Having neutral commentators, which we talked about pre-show before we came on, I thought was a, a nice change, as much as I love Adrian and Mike. It, it is a nice uh, change up there, and I, it takes some getting used to, but I, I dug that. And, you know, I thought overall they did a really good job of telling the story of the match. Um, the replays were good, just no complaints from my end.
3: Cool. Well, you want to talk about the game because that
2: sucked.
1: (laughs) Where Um, do we start? Well,
2: so I I think the game overall (laughs) sucked because it left such a bad taste in our mouths. Yep. Um, I actually think there were a lot of positives to take away from it, Um, but I think ultimately, like the number one topic of discussion has to be St. Louis native Kip Keller, Uh,
3: graduate of Principia High School, St. Louis University. I got the full scouting report, but we're not going to go through it. He's not a secret agent. Uh, He just had a bad night. It happens. It's a a regular season game in February. If something like that's going to happen, I hope it's in that kind of game where it doesn't, you know, it better not cost us the season or anything huge like that. It's not a playoff game. He had a bad night. It happens. Support the guy the next time he goes out there because there's been some really toxic stuff out there. But... Uh, let's talk about how bad it was. So, um, I mean, do we want to just go in order? Should we start with the really bad one or the worst one of the three, I guess?
0: Yeah. Yeah, Well, let's start with just what happened to Julio. Like, I mean, as much as – it's not like Julio is the most beloved player on this side, Um, and he's had great moments in the last two seasons. He's had some um, head-scratchers, to say the least, as well in the last couple seasons, and just having – I mean, we haven't faced anyone in – I mean, maybe well, feel free to call me out if we have, but I don't remember a striker that was as large and as physical as Klaus was last night oh. for Saint Louis. City. That guy was a monster.
3: That guy was huge. Yeah, it reminded yeah. me of watching of uh, or watching a Jan Kohler back in the day. See. I love like, you
1: know, watching like Hulk Hogan fight the Jobbers in the '80s, right? That's what that felt like when he was yeah. on the field for size differential. Yeah. No,
2: one of my favorite moments last night was as soon as Gallagher came on, he like kind of hip checked Klaus, like just a tiny bit, setting up for a free kick, and Klaus went down like, <laughs> uh, like, like little John Gallagher in comparison, just like trucked him.
1: I <laughs> and, so and everybody
2: in the supporters section was just was just incensed that he would dare accuse our boy like that
1: i think my heckle from the upper deck was if you want to do that you can ask for a transfer to france yeah
3: (laughs) yeah i mean i don't blame him for kind of getting bullied he wasn't great on the the first corner the first goal uh i'm sure he's not going to be the first one that a huge center back goes up scores a goal we didn't he, mark quite as well as we should have.
1: He got out-jumped. He flat-out got yeah. out-jumped. He was flat-footed on that uh, on the replay watch this morning. Because
3: um, it came uh, off the uh, the attacker's shoulder, right? Yeah. Yeah, it,
1: yeah. Came off the, it came off the attacker's shoulder, and Keller got out-jumped on the play. Stuver came out as well. I don't know that Stuber had any other choice but to come out, because I think he saw the hole on the backside. Um, just didn't get to it in time.
0: So yeah. – and yeah. even if Stuver stays on his line, I'm not sure he does anything to stop that.
2: Yeah, exactly. Same. I, I did notice last night, I felt and I'm not sure if he noticed this in your rewatch or not, but it felt like Stuver in general was kind of coming out a lot more than he normally does and was coming out further than he normally does, and I'm not sure if that's a like coaching point that has been emphasized of trying to utilize him more off the line.
3: Uh, my guess is he's probably doing a little more take initiative since Kippy is a, um, a little wet behind the ears there. Yeah. Um so he's probably trying to add an extra layer of help, but like you come or don't come, I'm with you. Once um I think it was Parker gets to that ball, it's it's going on the net, whether um Stuver's out of his net or on his line there. Um all right, let's talk about the worst one. <laughs>
0: So so one of the things I'll say about watching at home that is um, actually not different from ESPN Plus or anything, Apple is a little bit closer to game time. So last year when I would watch matches on ESPN Plus at home, because like it was – Whenever I was watching a road match and I was at home, there would always be people in Austin with an antenna, and I would know, okay, I'm 45 seconds behind or something else. And one of the guys who uses my season tickets and I were texting pretty frequently throughout the match. And most of the time, like, on both of our goals, I got a text beforehand And there's no one one to ruin it for you in Slack if you're not there watching beforehand or really, I mean, maybe maybe there's a tweet or something because everyone's at the match. Hopefully they're celebrating the goal or something because, I mean, I occasionally get a flash score alert before I see it on the screen. But as you're going through it, it's it's tough. You feel like you're more in the realm of the game at this point because it's only about a 40 second delay versus about a minute and 10 seconds from ESPN Plus. So Apple is better on that, but it's still. Uh, and I was like, I didn't hear anything. I heard a flash score alert, and I was just like, Oh god, no. I really do that. <laughs> You didn't really like this. Is this, this is one of these Apple? This, this is an Apple glitch. Like in the, in the Whip Round show, like they missed the commercial. There was like fifteen seconds of black screen. I was trying to convince myself that this was just like some computer glitch. I'm playing FIFA. I pressed the wrong button. Somehow, like shouldn't he be off? Oh no! Wait a minute. He passed it back. No, that's completely legal. Like it is just it, human computer glitch.
2: Yeah. No, I was in 104 last night and basically where i was put me on a direct line between jared stroud and kip and i was i remember watching and seeing kip turn his head and it was like i could view the train crash happening as it was (laughs) happening and you knew it was going to happen and he just kicks it back and as soon as he kicks it back i think i suffered like psychic damage or something because it took me like an hour to be able to process like i explained to like multiple people last night like after the match and after i got home and like i still couldn't process how you just turn and kick to the wrong person to the wrong team and then just that's it like you, you do it, and there's no, there's no reason to call it back. There's no, you know, problem. There was no whistle. He just kicked it away.
1: Yeah, the thing that obviously giving it away like that is inexcusable. But the thing that bothers me more, especially, I saw it last night live, and after rewatch, really bothers me more. All night long, his safety valve had been just play it back, Stewart. Play it back, Stewart. Okay, fine. Don't, don't really mind that. But he actually kind of picked his head up and looked backwards before he kicked it. Yes. But for a few seconds before he turned around, he had the ball with no pressure on him and he never picked his head up to look for another passing option. And if he just looks across the field, John Gallagher is making a run on the left side with no one within 30 yards of him. He had already hit a couple of long balls that were either inch close, really close to being uh, connected. Or if you just hit this ball to Gallagher, the absolute worst case scenario is you sail it over his head and it goes out of bounds for a throw in. In, in the, the 80th minute when we have a lead, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, versus turning around and playing the ball he did, which I, I got to think there was just some kind of brain malfunction for a second because that ball was weighted for Stroud. It wasn't weighted to go back to to. it. Yeah. Uh, do it at all yeah so, so I... <laughs> uh,
2: but and, it, and, and then he hits the ball and he actually turns to like get the ball back yeah like he, like he clearly thought he was passing to a teammate yeah
1: yeah I, but again the, for me it's more the the lack of awareness elsewhere around the field that bothered me um, yeah it, immediately giving up a goal and it, it's an easy thing to see but when you just take the holistic view of man just hit the ball across the field to one of your other options or even play the pass up the right sideline for a contested pass that it might get knocked out so what you had options outside of going backwards
3: yeah you mentioned kind of like right before the actual like pass back to Stroud and I think some people have done like you know some lip reading or something and maybe Stroud calls for a pass and tricks him I could actually sort of understand Kip comes off the bench cold because he wasn't supposed to start or play the whole game if that had happened, like, two, three minutes after he came on, I'd almost kind of be like, ah, okay, you know, he got you, whatever. But, like, you've been in this game for 60, 70 minutes at this point. Like, that one's not really an excuse. But even before that, like Brad said, he's up basically on the half line, takes two huge dribbles backwards. And I know, like, we're trying to recycle the ball, hold possession, kind of kill the clock that way. But, I mean, those passes, you got to be absolutely sure. So I do have a general question, too. Does this even count as when playing it out of the back goes wrong?
1: No, not for me. I this is something beyond that. Uh,
2: Yeah, I I agree. I think when playing it out of the back goes wrong, has to involve the keeper directly, or at least being in your own box. Uh, I don't know that like being at the half line and retreating counts as playing out of the back. Yeah, but it's but also
1: it's objectively funny. Yeah, I mean, if this (laughs) happens to anybody else, I'm laughing hysterically. Yeah, it's objectively funny to watch. (laughs)
0: Uh, no, it's a um, as we're as we're going through it. I, I think it is because any time that you have a defender who's making a back pass on that, I think that automatically qualifies it when playing down the wrong playing out, the back goes wrong. Okay. Like okay, if you're maybe. making a pass back to the goalie, it's automatic that you're in that situation. You, you know the other
1: thing about the whole Kip thing leading up to that point,
0: he really didn't
1: play a terrible game. Till then, you know, he had a mistake here and there, but he also covered a couple of mistakes on the back end. Uh, I specifically remember a sliding play in front of Stuber in the box that kind of cleared out an obvious shot attempt for uh, St. Louis. Um, He wasn't objectively bad for most of the game, but as soon as that pass happened, you could see his confidence was gone the rest of the night. And he just seemed hesitant for the final 20 minutes. And
0: that absolutely killed us in, cause us to lose the game at the end.
1: Oh, I mean, the, did he the, did he
0: complete a pass that went up the field more than ten yards all of last night? Yeah, he assisted the Drew goal. No, oh, no, no, that was no, no, that was that was that was
3: Okay, okay, that was uh,
0: absolutely not him. I, I okay. would give him credit all the credit in the world if it were him. But yeah, anyways. no, he, I only did
3: like a a quick quick uh, rewatch of that play on my phone this morning because
1: yeah. I was looking yeah. at the uh, the back pass and uh Keller tried it. a long ball in the uh in the first half. And it was really close to to being connected. I think he was trying to hit uh, Fagundes on the left side, nearly hit him and probably another yard or so. And it would have hit him instead. He got cut off by a defender. But after that, everything was a very conservative pass from him.
2: Yeah. I mean, looking at the stats, like he only had three progressive passes the entire night compared to like, uh, you know, Nick Lima had 11, Danny Perez, 13. Yeah. uh, Lee only had five, which seemed wrong because he hit a couple of passes last night that I thought were really impressive and showed a lot of vision. Yeah. Um. But I, I, I think the confidence is a is a good thing to talk about in relation to the next goal, because it felt like Kip was trying to do too much in defending mm-hmm. because he was trying so hard to get the ball instead of playing smart and just letting Klaus take it to the line and not letting him cut back. Like his angle was just so wrong that. He enabled
1: the goal to happen by lo- allowing the cutback yeah it, it was a compounding play. I, I thought the yeah. exact same thing is it, you don't overrun him you, you debate, or the bait are the in line is your friend there right so yeah. it, it worst if, if he gets a shot on a, on a short side to Stuber, I'll take Stuber and that chance all that all day long um but Kip has to be aware of where he is in the field and I'm with you I think he just tried too hard on that play and it ended up costing him.
3: Yeah, and I mean I don't know about um I don't even think the ball was in the net yet. And I'll I will give Jared Stroud credit. If somebody is capable of missing that chance, it might be him. So I don't even think the ball was in the net yet. And I just had this exact like, I don't know if Kip had like figured out what he did and put his hands on his head yet either. But I just had this exact moment where I went, we're we're losing this game. Um well, this you're is in second, I was talking about the
1: third goal just now.
3: Yeah, well, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm saying like after the second one, I could tell well, exactly what you guys were saying was gonna happen on the third one. Yeah, uh, I didn't know when but I knew like any sort of isolated play and like we had said he'd had a couple in the first half where they hit it a little longer into space to Klaus and Kip ran it down just popped it out for a throw in or something which I thought was fine I know it's not really how Wolf wants to play but uh safety first defending there and I knew like that whole mentality was gone as soon as that uh um he realized what he did on that pass and I mean yeah he's he's trying too hard um, Klaus takes him outside, moves him back in. He's way overcommitted on that outside move. And then um, he just buries at bottom corner. Nice easy pass in.
1: You mentioned Wolf, though, and he made the point in the postgame, and he's not wrong about this. The team's reaction when that second one went in was concerning because it oh, felt yeah. like we had no bite the rest of the game. And that's not the same kind of attitude or forward play that we had last year in a tight game or when we go down or when crazy things would happen so that was definitely something that wolf said in the post game and i'm like yeah you know what i absolutely agree with what you're saying here
0: i'm trying to think of how many matches last year where we was we were always so much coming from behind and it's like okay we went down one nil in this match we went up to one this is going to be similar to last year but there weren't I'm trying to think of late equalizers that we gave up. I'm sure there are a few, and I have to just go back through notes and logs. Fine, yeah, away
2: a, a to San Jose, definitely. Home a way to, to, to San, San Jose. But even away to home, San Jose. Home, home to San Jose. <laughs> yeah, I think both.
3: Yeah, um, but, but <laughs> Why San can Jose, San
0: Jose never play a normal match? <laughs> they, 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 they don't. That's they're, they're just chaos agents, and that's fine. But even those goals in San Jose last year, I think, were like 70th, 72nd minute. I mean, this was what – 78 86 like it was a in the match that yeah. we were pretty good because season well, let's face it 2021 we had a lot of late like last season it was we gave up a lot of early goals in the first 15 minutes 2021 we gave up a lot of goals post 75th minute and i just yeah. hope that we are not going back to 2021 austin fc on that front yeah i i just also look at this whole game as an
1: aberration because i'm Ciscante out 10 minutes into the game um you, you hate to – I don't want to put it all on one player because I, we'll get into the other parts of the game in a minute because I saw some glaring issues elsewhere. There sure it is. Uh, but, you know, let's let's be honest. Keller was involved in all three of the goals given up last night. Two of them arguably were directly on him. Um, so if that pass to the back doesn't happen, I'm convinced we'd walk out of there 2-1, maybe 3-1. But it happened, and ultimately – We got to move on from it. However, I I don't want to jump to the conclusion of saying, well, you know, maybe we're regressing back to giving up a ton of late goals because it just didn't feel like a normal way to lose a game last night at all.
0: Yeah, I mean, but I think this this begs the question and we can go to this part now and then go back to the rest of the match recap is like, what does this look like moving forward for our back line? Like this is a really interesting situation. We obviously we're recording this on Sunday afternoon. We don't have any details on Julio's injury at this point or how bad it is. We don't really know if it's a groin injury, if it's a knee injury. Apparently he's going in for MRIs today. Uh, We'll see uh, how that all comes out and um, hoping for the best. But I have to imagine he's going to be out at minimum at least a few weeks.
3: Did we use four sub-windows last night? Because I feel like I counted wrong, or we used four. Um, we,
1: I will pull up the... We used the, three we used the first one for Cascante, the second one for the Gallagher set of subs, and the third one for the Maxi set of subs.
3: Yeah. Okay, I thought there was like an additional one right at the end, because we brought on Ring and Maxi in separate... Swaps, we did. Thought, we but... did.
0: Uh, so I think Ring, you know,
2: Ring so... and Finley came on at the same time, and then Maxi came on later. We
0: we, we yeah. used four windows, but you're yeah. al- the rule is you're allowed to use. Th- it's only three windows per half. The first half changes that dynamic. Oh, um, okay, okay. I'm it's just the... like it's so rare that you're having first. If we had, it's so rare that you're having the first half subs that you don't usually think about it like that. Okay.
3: Interesting. I do want to go back to the mentality point real quick, because uh, we did hit the bar in extra time. Yeah. Um. So that might have made this game oh, feel sad. a little less bad. Um. But yeah, I, I didn't think we had a whole lot of fight. And I, I want to go back to this point too. Like, I don't know if we all kind of have rose colored glasses from uh, our little playoff run, but we weren't great at the end of last year. I mean, kind of a dumb red card in the RSL playoff game away from, having some real, real deep introspection in the offseason. I wonder if we maybe didn't do enough recalibrating, or I don't know if you guys have thoughts on any of that.
0: We, Austin FC last season, if we looked at it, played two halves of good soccer after July 30th. The only two halves of good soccer the team played was the second half at home against RSL with the JT hat trick and the first half against Frisco in the second round of the playoffs. What are you counting the uh, LAFC home game? Oh yeah, you're right. I, I'm like – Fair, fair call out there. You're right. That was. Okay. That was, that was, I, that was I, I would it's also still say the number. <laughs>
1: I
2: would also say the second half of the home Salt match Lake against game. Sporting.
1: Well, I would have said Salt Lake against uh, the the, the Musa hat trick.
0: Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I yeah, said. Yeah, that's what. what okay. you Let off right. with. All right, yeah. Up. No. Uh, but the I don't even know the Sporting. I mean, the, we still gave up a goal on that. The, like it was that was just I mean that was yeah. Like,
1: it's, it's, easy, it's easy to forget we were a Stuber save in the 50th minute away from being down three goals in that match. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, 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 you know, you mentioned hitting the bar last night late, and it was the last 30 seconds of the match. But if you go back and watch extra time, we did nothing for the first four and a half minutes of extra time, knowing that we had just a few to play with and we had to go. And, and you know, that, that gets also to where – I thought Keller was hesitant towards the end of the game. He had the back pass to Stuber with like a minute to go in extra time instead of trying to get forward with it. Just outside of the one cross to Dryusi, we really were not dangerous or even seeming like we were in a hurry to try to make something happen.
3: No, I was shocked we got that close and hit the bar, to be honest, because we had no drive. We had no urgency. It looked like we were playing a training match, to be honest. Mm
2: -hmm. But um... It it had a very different feel than like – a lot of matches where we we're trying to come behind last season where it was clear that Wolf was going for it. And he was just like, you know what? Diego's a midfielder. Just give it to Diego. Have him hand it in the cross for Housen, and all the strikers are just going to be in there. And instead last night, they take off Zardes for Maxi instead of just, Hey, let's load up the box.
1: Like, let's just go for it. Yeah. And speaking of Diego, the way we utilized him last night, that that can't be the way we utilize him the rest of the way. I was losing my mind at this, so go ahead, Brad. (laughs) We had Kalmanich deeper towards the end line, more often in the offensive side than Diego. And I just, what are we doing? The guy's one of our more creative players, and it seemed like we were intent to have him play back further and away from goal.
3: It just made no sense to me. Yeah, there were times where he was literally like boots on the touchline playing like even with the center backs. Um, in our half, and the ball's, like, you know, not exactly in their box, but up in that forward third. And I have no idea why. Like, I sort of get the, you want to drive the channel and Zan's a little more offensive um, than kind of how we've been playing our backs sometimes last year. But, like, why are you pulling Diego back there? I'm with you. Um, Do you guys see anything else, or was that kind of the, I don't know. uh...
2: (laughs) So I think the the issue yesterday, yesterday was that, I think Wolf kind of galaxy brained the, all the tactics and was really intent on showing the like, mm. oh, we can play a different way. We have another thing. We have wrinkles, blah, blah, blah. And like was a little too excited to show all of those. And not just like, you know, they tuck Diego inside, which limits his effectiveness because he just can't get into space. You know, I thought, um, I thought Wolf and Pereira played more of a double pivot than the way we normally see with the dual eights, which gave her a little more room to roam. But the bigger issue was Wolf and Danny are two similar players. They are players who like the ball on their feet and can dribble, and those things are great, but we had nobody who could utilize Rigoni's, Rigoni or Zard as a speed over the top, because yeah. we could. we kept trying those passes, and none of them worked until Ring came on and at some point you have to have more of a balance in the midfield and that's you know we talk about austin being susceptible to pressing teams and one of the reasons why we're susceptible to pressing teams is that we cannot hit that ball over the top to make them pay when they come forward and regoni can make those runs and can finish we saw the counterattack goal from preseason he's capable of doing these things but we have to have somebody capable of getting in the ball <laughs> and that midfield setup that change that was a complete change from last year's starting lineup wasn't capable of doing that.
3: I was relatively unimpressed with Ragoni last night. I kept hearing about how he's made all these breakthroughs and, um, you know, the off season and uh, preseason getting ready. And I kind of went, okay, yeah, you know, you get dropped into the team in the middle of the year. It takes a little adjustment time, but I didn't see anything that made me think he's any different than the guy we saw last year. I don't know if you guys have I different opinions. I
1: wildly disagree with you here. Um, I thought he was more than fine last night. He had a few plays where, quite frankly, he left some jock straps on the field from St. Louis City. Um, City. Yeah, especially down on the north end. Like, there was a play where uh, in the second half, he was driving towards the end line, went one-on-one with the defender, uh, went around the defender, and then drove towards goal before, I think he chipped it up. Uh, he didn't have a bad cross, uh, the one to Zardes that hit off of Zardes' heel, um, Zardes probably should have held his run by about a half second because I think if Zardes scores there, it's ruled offside. Um, and if he does hold his run for half a second, it's very likely in the back of the net. Um, and also, if you kept watching Ragoni on the back end, and, and the point was just hit on about not hitting balls over the top, he was a willing runner, and he had space to go, and he kept trying to cut in on runs towards goal, and no one was looking for him on the backside. And that drove me absolutely bananas last night.
3: So I guess the larger question here is too, like, was this sort of like a weird, Hey, we wanted to do all this stuff with Julio, but we couldn't because of Kippy or guys just not feeding him the ball. Like, how do we fix this? I guess is what I'm asking.
1: I I also think I'm not going to rush to judgment because they do play the red or they play a Red Bull system. It's more chaos ball. what St. Mm-hmm. Louis likes to play. How do we look against a more rigid, normal-ish tactical setup next week? And over the next few weeks, then I think we can really make some judgments about what this team could or could not be.
0: Yeah, I think it's a question of what does your starting lineup look like for Montreal next week? And I think there's a lot of questions about who you're playing as the second center back. What role, if any, does Alex Ring have in this team? I'd be curious for your thoughts on how he looked in the final 15 minutes because it's one of those things that I looked at the advanced stats and the advanced stats actually looked pretty good on him, but the eyeball test didn't look great on him. Yeah. So like tried to figure out like where does he fit into the system or does he no longer fit into the system?
3: He didn't, for me at least, like he had kind of like a rough first five, seven minutes, whatever you want to call it, but he actually grew into the game pretty well. Um, At least that's what I saw. But again, kind of, you know, standard caveats. It's a short um, cameo. The game state changed a little bit, obviously. Maybe he just looked better than everybody else who was hanging their head for a little bit. Uh, He did look a little out of shape, but that could just be he looks slightly different with the haircut. I, I never actually know because I haven't, you know, it, it's a little easier to tell on TV because you can kind of see him a little more consistently, but um, I don't know. And we haven't really gotten a clear answer on if this is a system thing, if there's something wrong with him, we don't know anything about this. Right.
1: No, I I, I don't think anything outside of rumors. Um, you know, he looked okay. I, I thought he wasn't, I'm with you. The eyeball test, Seth, wasn't fantastic uh, watching it live, but then I went back and rewatched this morning and, he won a few balls. He also, I thought, lost a ball in the advanced third that he just kind of wasn't paying attention to the fact there were two or three guys around him um, and got a ball taken away from him. Uh, he, I don't know that he makes a huge material difference in how the game plays out over the course of 90 minutes last night. He was brought in to be that defensive play. Like when we went up 2-1, and I thought it was a good sub at the time. It made sense to add a little more bite on the back, and you can't anticipate the Keller play. Um, for me, the bigger issues on the way we played last night, and it's not being talked about enough because of the kit mistakes. We had two shots on goal. Two. All night long. Now they both went in. So, hooray for that. But there was really not a whole lot of offensive pressure. And the first half, I felt for, we played okay while Cascante was in. And then once Cascante came out, for about the next 35 minutes, First touches were heavy, Mm -hmm. and we kept trying to play the hero pass. It was like somebody just wanted to play through ball, through ball, through ball while playing FIFA online, as opposed to building up play. And we didn't settle into the kind of game we wanted to play into until about the 50th minute, because the first five minutes of the second half, St. Louis kind of dominated. But about the 50th minute, until we scored the Gallagher goal, we actually played like the way Austin looks like they want to play and you could see it, and I don't know why it took so long to build into the game where we were trying to make more simple passes and build a play the way we want to instead of hero ball. Yeah, I think part of that,
3: too, is we got a lot more space on the outside, and you have some good ISO runs. I know Diego had one at one point, um, like right before the the Gallagher goal, and obviously that's a great run from him to, to come in and score, uh, and I don't think we were doing that enough in the first half, and yeah. I mean, maybe not in the second half. It also looked like we were sort of trying to play this weird – not quite on the touchline, but get the ball outside and cross it in and let Zardes smack it in, which is, you know, I'm fine with the tactic if that's how you want to play, but, like, we didn't look comfortable doing it. Like, everybody was kind of, oh, this is my first try, which to an extent it is, but um, you would think, you know, you have a lot of season to work on this. Uh,
1: they would maybe be a little more comfortable with it. Yeah, and Zardes, it, people, I've, I've seen people like, oh, he was nowhere to be found last night. That man was open a lot last night, mm-hmm. yeah, a lot <laughs> I mean even the Gallagher goal if you if you stop it and rewatch it when Gallagher sends it off his left foot Zardis is standing right there uh about 4 yards out no one around him uh for a goal uh sitting right between the pipes so he was in the right spots tonight or last night we just never really got him the ball
2: yeah well and it definitely wasn't from lack of trying it seemed like the the kind of play pattern that we were trying to go for was to try to get Driussi and Ragoni to link up on the right side to try to spring Ragoni to cross, and there were more than a, there was at least a handful of times last night that that was the clear pattern, and it mm-hmm. just didn't quite click. Like, and and you would expect that um, those two players would be able to to know each other really well and be able to do that, and it just wasn't quite there. But you have to imagine that. You know, if if we are if they were able to complete those passes, then it's just simple knock-ins for, for Zardes off of whatever body part he decides to hit it with. Um,
3: <laughs> he doesn't decide the universe decides. <laughs> I
2: don't know, Seth, what did you
3: see
1: on TV, man?
0: Yeah, no, if I if I start looking through this, it's I, I saw Owen Wolf out there, who we have I mean what 35 minutes and barely mentioned him on this podcast. Um not being able to like I was hoping that I mean from the little highlights that we saw from the Miami match, it looked like obviously he had that beautiful goal, but was also creating opportunities. And I did not see him as being the key number eight in creating opportunities for our attack moving forward. And the question is if he's ultimately going to be the person who is going to be our main attack midfielder, he's going to have to create opportunities. And he wasn't, he wasn't doing that last night. And maybe that is because of St. Louis city style of play. Maybe it's because of other issues, but if he is not going to be that person, we have to figure out how do you get it. Because we can't just have, I mean, we had plenty of attacks go down Rigoni side. We've already talked about how we didn't have enough attacks go down Diego's side at this point. You have to be able to have attacks go down all three parts of the field. And if, if we can do that successfully, we should have no shortage of opportunities to be able to get in and find goals from all sorts of directions. But if we're just going to be stuck playing down Ragoni side most of the time on the right, yeah, we're going to have a lot of matches where we're going to get shut out or only score one goal.
2: Yeah, I mean, Owen wasn't lacking creativity last night, especially not on the ball. I felt like he beat a couple of defenders in the middle of the field um, uh, on the dribble, which is something that you know usually only Danny can do do for us, but the the issue is that he wasn't able to to turn that into some kind of a rush or an odd number advantage situation in the way that like you really need somebody to do in the system the way that you know you know the the most well-known is like a Darlington nagby type who beats his man and then you're off to the races and the entire defense just breaks down and that's something that we weren't able
1: to take advantage of yeah i thought owen yeah owen was okay It, it it was not the best performance from him. Um, he, he did beat some guys one-on-one. He drew a few fouls, specifically in the first half, um, including one on the left side, on the left star near the left touchline that um, I think it was in the final third and allowed a free kick into the box. Um, so he wasn't – and, and it, I thought he should have had another foul that he drew, um, but he didn't get the call uh, on the opposite side of the field. So I didn't think he was completely awful last night, but I don't think it was great. Uh, you're going to have people immediately say, why is he in there for ring? I wouldn't jump to the conclusion of ring needs to start right now. I'd give it another game or two and then see how it plays out from there. But the point was made earlier. Owen and Pereira are very similar players. And I don't know that having them on the field at the exact same time plays to our best strength as a team.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I look at this next week. We have Montreal coming in. We have Montreal has the best back three line in the league. You have Kamal Miller, who really, let's face it, it'd be really great if he was partnered with Leo Weissanen, but um, we're not uh, Claudio or Sean Rubio at this point. And that ship has long sailed. You have Rudy Camacho, who was really solid last season for them, and Montreal picked up Aaron Herrera from RSL, who admittedly did not play in the playoff match against us, but was one of the most effective um, right backs in the league. And you have um, former um, Tottenham center defensive midfielder uh, Victor Wanyama there as their only DP in Montreal as well. Montreal might not be great attacking because they sold off all of their attacking players over the over the off season, but that back line is much better than the one that we faced yesterday.
1: Yeah, now Montreal did go lose two nothing last night, right? For yeah, Miami.
0: Yeah, they lost 2-0 to Miami, and both goals were sloppy goals, um, actually both off of set pieces, but not the direct strike. So that when you start getting into those situations, when you're in the chaos from a quarter kick or a free kick, your back three matters a little less in that sense because I'd have to – I mean, I saw the goals while they were happening live, but I didn't actually – I haven't gone back and really watched them, but – Getting to that world, it's a little different up there. But right now, I mean, yeah, if Romelu Kyoto is their top um, attacker, like this is, they might have the weakest attack in the league. So uh, Montreal might just come back and s- let us sit back and attack them because that they can they f- would feel confident defending this attack because honestly, we didn't we didn't look as as vicious and as potential having as much potential as we did in most games last season
1: last night. I, I you know I, I also think we came in overamped the first forty. 40- Plus minutes. I, I really thought we just tried to do way too much in that first half, um, offensively. But I, I think ahead to next week, it, do you, is Amro Tarek going to be ready? I hope so. I mean, Wolf kind of made the comment last night. He's still getting up to speed. I, I I questioned it this morning when I thought more about it, which is I, I know Kip's been in the system for two years, but you got Tarek on the bench. He wasn't even available to you last night. But Tarek played for the Red Bulls for three seasons, very recently. Um, from 2019 to 2021, you would think if there's someone playing defense that knows how to play against that system, it might be Amro Tark. And even if he's not fully up to speed on the way we play, just to help keep the ball out of the net, he might be a good guy.
0: Yeah, no, and it's – it if you're putting together that lineup at the beginning of the match, like I was really surprised. I noted that before the match, that Tark wasn't in the 20 because you're mm-hmm. thinking like, okay, I'm probably going to bring Leo and Julio are probably going to go 90 in this match. And you're yeah. thinking that your subs are going to be more offensive minded at this point. But like, I, I would have expected him to be your third choice center back, but obviously he wasn't. Then the rest is history.
3: Yeah. And I mean, I think we're all hoping like we kind of mentioned, they play a weird style. It's their first ever game. They come out super amped um we were maybe you know a little too i don't know if you want to call it cocky or something so i think we're all hoping all of these little tactical wrinkles we're talking about are kind of like one-time things but i mean we do need to figure out like what do we do at center back going forward because i can kind of see that like no you have to get kipped straight back out there otherwise you're going to totally destroy his confidence i mean do we know or does anybody want to play alex ring there and sort of solve our you know where's alex ring problem like what do we do here
2: so- um I I think he should regain confidence. Uh, But the the issue there is, you know, when does AFC, when does the the AFC toe team start? Because we don't have Uh, a schedule yet, right?
0: They don't have a schedule yet because of the Rochester fiasco, but it's (sighs) about four weeks away from now.
2: Yeah. And so, I mean, I think at some point you you probably have to play him before. I mean, you can't just sit him for a month. So he's going to have to play at some point, but ultimately like that might be better suited for him to better understand the pro game. Uh, because ultimately his biggest issue is that he's not not strong enough to go against the strongest strikers, and he's not fast enough to go against the fastest strikers, and he's not smart enough to make up for those deficiencies. And so at some point, he's going to have to learn his positioning better to be able to be a functional MLS player that can be relied on. And for a team like Austin that has real MLS Cup aspirations, it's not time to learn on the job.
1: Yeah, I said last year, I felt Kip needed to go get minutes in USL. Yeah, um, I, I felt we were okay enough at center back for most of the year. And luckily we avoided the big injury at center back last year. Um, we probably did him a disservice by just having him ride the bench and practice with us all year, as opposed to sending him a USL on a loan and getting some, pra- getting some minutes and make some experience. Um, I still think that might be the right play because remember USL is uh, a level above atx two, um so I, I think that could be good for him and also just getting him out of boston for a little bit and letting him just reset before coming back might be the best thing for him moving forward you know lundquist can play the center position too, center back position so we have options there but Tarek has to start next week that that has to be number one on the on the list and Maybe Keller's on the bench again if you need a confidence dilster just to say, hey, look, you know, you're still on the squad. You're still going out there with us. But I think Tarek has to be your guy. And you also need to maybe go shopping, you know, because we do have a window here in MLS that's still available for the next month.
0: We, next two months. It's available till April 24th. Um, we can't, at this point, we have, okay, this is the last week where we don't have a midweek match. I mean, after this, we have Montreal Saturday. We have Violet and the Dominican Republic on Tuesday. We go to RSL the Saturday after that. Violet at home Tuesday. Then at Houston, Like you're going to need more than two center backs for that yeah. five-match stretch in 15 days.
1: And if you're lucky enough to get past Violet, you've got a couple of weeks, and then boom, you're right back into home and home with Leon
0: in the middle of the week. Or, or Taro. Or, or, yeah,
1: or Taro.
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a, tough, um, it's, it's, it's a tough task there. And I, I was really surprised as well to see Lindquist not in the 20. Like, you go spend 500 k in GAM and he doesn't make the bench on the first day? Like, I, I wonder if his preseason injury was worse than reported. But, I mean, C.J. Fogery was out, like, legitimately out on the injury report. I didn't see Lindquist on the injury report. So I was very surprised to see him not make the 20. Yesterday, and I, I would be really surprised if he's not in there for this upcoming match. Then again, I mean, the case to start Kip is that, it's the case I made earlier, is that Montreal is effectively the weakest attack in the league, and I, I think I'd almost rather have Kip start at I mean, I'd be a little scared for the fan reaction, but I'd rather have him start home there than go down to the Dominican Republic and have him start against a team where who knows what they're going to see from them. I mean, I hope we have some scouts down and. the... Uh, uh, what you call down at the DR watching their preseason matches. Cause like, I don't even know if we know what players that we're going to see in that match. And honestly, that, at this point, that match against Violette in nine days is more important to us than the Montreal match in six days.
2: I would love to see if Austin FC scouting department is like furiously searching the like depths of Reddit to try to find an illegal stream of, or quasi legal stream of like a Violet match in DR.
0: No, I, I do like, No, I mean, like they're making enough. But I mean, the club gets what is actually extra two point five million, and they're playing in Santiago at the um, like they're playing all Dominican teams in their preseason, and there are fans at these matches. So, like, if our if Austin FC's front office is not sending someone down to watch those matches, they are absolutely doing a disservice. Uh, yeah. Heck, I'd take a week off if I could. And just like, <laughs> okay, obviously, I'm not a professional scout and I do not want to be a professional scout, but we could find someone else to go down there and put together this so we can at least have some idea of what they're going to do. Yeah. I mean, surely,
1: surely the club can afford a $100 a night hotel room and a 80-buck day stipend for food or something like that, right? No, $80 a day. I mean, right, that's large Whatever, right? <laughs> so I'm just saying, surely we can afford that. Yeah,
0: no, I, I hope they are. It just I, I get a question of how seriously they're taking certain things, but we'll see. I mean, they've had two draws against their last two Dominican opponents, but like it's just like this. This is all such a crapshoot. Yeah. Well, then, then again, we, we lost city the city last night, so I don't have faith in us to beat anyone at this point until until prove it otherwise.
2: I mean, Seth, you really just described why Concacaf Champions League is the best Champions
1: League. <laughs> yes. <laughs> A team that hasn't played in months because we don't even know if they actually have a full roster is uh, playing their first preseason matches in a, uh, on the same field we're going to be playing on in a few weeks. That's not actually their home field. Uh, and it's turf. Yeah, it's going to be a blast.
0: Yeah, and we are nine days before a match. We are still unclear if they're letting fans into the stadium or not. How do you acquire tickets? How do you go through this process? Obviously, I'm a little biased in my perspective on this. But it is just like – it is such – Such absurdity. Um, Fox has announced no promotional material. I had to go to tvpassport.com to find a plug-in that there is – that Fox is going to show the windows. At least the CONCACAF website is updated that Fox will be the English language broadcaster in the United States. But I've seen no promotion of this. Like I'm a sicko and have to go out and find this material and like how do we expect to promote this game? Like what are people thinking? But I have no I,
3: idea. I did come up with a solution for scouting them, though. We'll reassign that guy we have in Paraguay and just strap a GoPro to him, <laughs> and then just send all the footage back, because I don't trust his opinion, but he can stand there and, like, watch the game and, like, put it on video for us, right?
0: Well, let's face it. I mean, there has to be what was, uh, now nah, I'm blanking on it, uh, like, TaskRabbit. Like, we could just have a TaskRabbit go down there with a GoPro and send them down there. I mean, I'm sure we could get someone for, like, five bucks a day for that.
3: I would hope so. Shit, send Kippy. That one of the injured guys. I mean, hey. Or, I mean,
0: yeah, I mean, that. One of the things I really do wish, and obviously it's not going to happen anytime soon, but is just allowing for more senior roster spots and that allowing for more flexibility between the first and the second team. And it is just getting to a point of like we had um, uh, Sal Matarazzo, who we drafted here. Like we probably don't realistically have a spot for him on the first team, but just to be able to call someone up like that to sit on a bench in this or even to come in as an emergency sub, like heck, he might have been better than Kip last night.
1: Yeah, there was actually. Ethan Finley retweeted something uh, from, I think, one of the MLS fan accounts the other day that talked about the need for expanded rosters and everything, given the amount of potential games that could be played. Um, and I, I want to say Finley's one of the main guys with the Players Association uh, for Austin. So I think that's going to be a very big push in the next round of negotiations, whenever that may be.
0: Yeah, no, and, and I think it's it's... I mean, some of that can be in the CBA, but the CBA is set through 2027. And I honestly think the best of that can happen is that a bunch of MLS teams get their ass kicked in League's Cup. Like if Liga MX dominates League's Cup, like we come to that final weekend and it's four Liga MX teams or like six or seven in the quarterfinals that like, oh, we can't compete with, yeah, Seattle beat Pumas in the final. Congratulations. And like, it's a really big deal that Seattle won Hockey Cup Champions League, like, it's a, seriously, it's a big deal. But at the same time, if we are going to – if Liga MX is going to dominate MLS and League's Cup, I hope that leads to faster changes in this process.
3: Yeah, I hope so. Well, I think we've done enough uh, doom and gloom. What did you guys like from last night? Other than the TIFO, that was great.
0: I, I didn't think
1: we
3: were – Silence. No, I, <laughs> no so
1: it's, it's interesting. Obviously, because of the result, everybody's doom and gloom about how he played. And I'm still not crazy about how, the off, how we were in the attack. But overall – I keep having to remind myself that if we don't have the weird Keller goal, we probably win that game two, one, or maybe three, one. Yep. And we look at last night very, very differently as a whole. So I'm not one that's going to overreact to game one of the year. It was disappointing. I walked out of there shaking my head um, and just trying to process what I had just seen, but I, I don't, see giant red flags just yet on this on this team and with so many games left to play bounce back next week pick up three points it's mls you know if you're gonna have something like this happening in week one is really not the worst thing in the world um because you can still make a run i mean how many times have we seen portland play really terrible or average soccer for the first half of the season and then turn it on and make deep playoff runs or even win the whole thing um So it's just more of a matter of figuring out what the system is going to look like, because it it was a divergence from what we would usually play. Um, If we come out win next week and do it by a couple of goals, I think it's going to calm everybody back down.
0: Yeah, that's fair. um, Just to start with the praise part, um, Jean Kolmanich, who did not, I mean, I think he was hurt for a a fair bit of last season, looked really strong last night. Like, he maybe was a little bit too far forward, but, like, he played a really strong start and justified the reason why Wolf chose him in the starting 11. And I was excited to see him out there and contributing to the team, uh, both offensively and defensively, and um, excited to see what he could do this season. Would definitely like to see Gallagher a little bit more On the right, as we've talked about, but I mean, he did score a goal on the left when he came in as a sub and is someone who's still going to be really valuable playing for the team in multiple different positions.
1: He hit that with his left foot, too. Yeah. I don't know if y'all recognize that, but he actually scored that with his off foot.
2: Yeah. Uh, I I think the other thing to really, uh, you know, praise about last night was uh, Jiruzi's goal was beautiful. Oh. (laughs) <laughs> like, like, I think we kind of like, like, that's been lost in talking about like what happened in the second half, but like yep. go back and watch that replay. That is an absolutely ridiculous goal that he scored of not just, you know, getting the touch on the ball to bring it down and control it and then chip the keeper. And, you know, there's, there's not that many guys period who can score a goal
1: like that. And we have one. Yeah. When he hit the ball, I thought it was going to float over from my angle and it felt like it hung in the air forever. Um, but I mean, he hit that inch perfect to get under the bar and like land right in the bottom back of the net that it was maybe the second prettiest goal I've seen in that stadium. I still think Hooson's last year, the little whirly bird kick he had on the volley from, uh, from Felipe was out of this world, but last night was gorgeous.
2: Yeah. And especially I, part of it was, he probably wanted to make sure he got it over their giant of a keeper. Um, <laughs> cause that dude was huge. Like, yeah. I know we were talking earlier about how big Klaus was, but, like, when uh, <laughs> when they walked into the stadium, like, their keeper was, like, a head and shoulders taller than everyone.
1: But the Dragoci goal leads me to the other superlative that we really haven't talked about, and that's Leo Weiss it. That was going to be mine. Oh, he, he played a really, really nice game last night, and that pass to Dragoci from the back line was just inch perfect. Um, but all in, I thought he was solid and – Everybody's like, well, could you imagine if you had Leo plus God, God Wilson, yeah. there, There's no world that happens. There's just, yeah. there's no world where that happens. But he looks like he's going to be a very good replacement for God Wilson.
2: I mean, there's a world where that happens. It just requires a lot of other roster construction to try to do it. That probably makes the team worse in some way. Yeah. Um, I think around, I know we were talking earlier about how Austin really started to take hold in the 50th minute. And Vison, it hit a pass from the left center back spot to a right midfielder that was wide open that I don't think I've ever seen an Austin center half make. And it really put, um, I want to say it hit Owen. Um, it put Owen in a, in, a, in a very strong position to be able to like really push forward and do something. Um, and so I'm kind of hopeful that Leo's uh, vision and passing range just inherently brings up some wrinkles and that he can complete some passes that nobody else
1: has been able to do yet. Well, and when he's paired out there with Cascante, that's a very offensive forward thinking back line all of a sudden, because yes, Vison can play defense. I mean, he had the, he actually stepped in front of a ball uh, that deflected. Jared Straub was wanting a handball when Vicens' hands were wrapped around his back at the time, uh, wrapped behind his back and interlocked, I think. Um, which don't get me started on Jared Stroud last night and his BS. Um, But all in, I thought Vison, when Cascante is back, that's a a back line that is really going to make other teams think because they can push the ball forward in positive ways.
3: Yeah, it'll be uh, all offense all the time. And um, I think, do we know how good of a passer uh, Tarek is? I don't know much
0: about him. Um, he was not, um, I mean, I've watched a little bit of his stuff from when he was with the Red Bulls. He is a solid passer. He's not super quick is going to be his issue.
2: Well, I think the other thing that's good about him is that I believe he's left-footed, which we don't have a lot of left-footed players on the team in general. Um, and so that kind of brings a little bit of an added wrinkle of being able to get the ball out, to the, uh,
1: out wide on the left. So, yeah. Do we want to talk about Jared Stroud's bullshit last night or no?
2: Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Oh, man. He, he was – here's the thing. I respect shithousery, and Jared Stroud brought it in a way that hopefully <laughs> prepares Austin for the CONCACAF Champions League because it wasn't just the blatant dive in the box. That that John it wasn't Gallagher a good dive that was my it, was, problem with it. I know, oh, it was it was so bad he, I, how he avoided a card on that goes to show that no dive will ever get carded.
1: Stuber on the replay when I watched this morning like smirked at him just goes really man are you, you serious with this right now? John, John Gallagher stood
2: over him to help him up like dude really like I I think it's, and that, there's that and then obviously on the second goal he he did something to psych. Kip into passing him. I'm not sure no, what he, it was. Whether like, he like did the hands down or like yelled
0: something. No, he he, he, could... he straight up yelled at him, pass yes. it here. Like <laughs> so to he the, ball, yeah. to the well, He told it to the local to the, he's like, Oh yeah, Kip and I are friends and I figured I was in position. Like, I mean he pretty much admitted it to the St. Louis uh uh what call it, dispatch that he's like, I'm going there and it's like, yeah, he recognized my voice and he sent it right my way.
1: Uh, I mean, kudos to that, I I I'm not gonna get on him for that. That's just gamesmanship. That's fine. I, I'm more thinking about the dive and the dirty ass foul on Drayusi. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that one was bad.
3: And like, did he even really, that's his first ever MLS goal,
1: right? And he didn't even like celebrate it. No, it was a second. He had one in the final game of the season in 2021 against Kansas city. Okay. Yeah. I only remembered the one that got Vardoff against, uh, I think it was Nashville. Yeah, it was in Nashville. But He scored the final game of, I scored uh, the last goal of the year for us in our first year.
3: Okay, so his second ever MLS goal, and he like you know ties up the you know team's first ever game, and he like doesn't really celebrate it. And like I I don't know if you guys ever played sports that used to piss me off more than like people celebrating or anything. It's <laughs> just like oh it doesn't even matter. Like um <laughs> like that's how you show people up. You're like oh yeah I can do this all day. Like no big deal. So I don't I know if you no, guys no no but like
0: there, there's there's <laughs> such a tradition of not celebrating against your former team on stuff like that. Like that's a pretty normal soccer thing there. Also, yeah, I, I mean, after he's... that
3: schoolyard bullshit, he pulled to get I the was, gold. <laughs> yeah.
1: To one. Yeah, and just like, okay, I'm not really going to celebrate one I just completely stole. And, but kudos on the oh, finish! He... Kudos on the finish to him because he opened up like he was going to go far post and then tucked it near side. That was yeah, actually actually he... really pretty finish.
2: He got super going the wrong way. I mean, what what the my favorite part about that is that <laughs> he set it up by being lazy. <laughs> because he wasn't tracking back he was just like i'm just gonna stand here and you know at some point in his that he was like i'm just gonna try this
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, and it worked <laughs> that, that, that honestly out of all of his all of his shit last night that's the one that bothers me the least I, I, that's the tip of the cap to me i'm like all right you know what you pulled it off i don't have a problem with that it's more the dive and some of the egregious fouling that he had last night that i was a little more over the top with him about
3: it's insane that we watch this game and like that Jared Stroud swoolyard bullshit counts the exact same as that like wonder gold Drew Chip. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yep.
0: Yep. No, that's how this game is played. I mean, you oh, could yeah. have, there's, there are no style unless it's a what NBA all star comp or actually an MLS skills all star competition of a certain point. Like that's how, how the game is played. Or I guess the XFL now, I guess you could score. Score from different different points on different point afters there. But it's, yeah. yeah, it's a weird, weird game at this point. And it doesn't matter how pretty it is. It just matters if it goes in and VAR doesn't take it off.
1: Yeah, I I could see him becoming almost a supervillain in the league if he plays like that the rest of the <laughs> year. And here's the, here's the thing. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. The have, league means it.
2: The, the, an expansion team coming in and just outright being villains immediately is such a oh, great, yes. Give me such, that, such a great storyline <laughs> that I love. It. Uh, just like you know what, to... our talent disparity—there's a clear talent disparity here. But you know how we're going to make up for it? Shit housing.
3: Yeah, like we're just going to show you. Yeah, that would be great. I would actually watch more city games that way. Um, Who's just like, oh, I wonder what fuckery they're going to get up to today? Like mid-season trade for Felipe and. God, can you imagine when Orlando
1: plays City? that be, oh a my beautiful. God. Carnage. Oh. Carnage.
2: Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Now
0: I'm
1: looking I need right to put that, to that on my calendar. Yeah. I was going to say, if that's happening, we we need to watch it. I might games. fly to a game just to watch Felipe against that shit. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, no, that Wait, would be wildly entertaining. I have <laughs> to agree on that. Yes. Oh, it is. It's August 26th. August 26th, right after we play them the second time. <laughs>
3: okay. Or
0: Orlando is, right. or in City?
3: We'll, uh, it's, it's I'll, I'll try to now. set up. I'll try to set up a watch along or something.
0: Well, it's, um, the same, it's the same time as our match. Um, what you call it in Frisco? Okay.
3: Uh, okay, we'll have to find one where they're. Yeah, we'll have to find a good date to to do that where we're when we're not playing. Maybe we'll find one of the national broadcasts or not at the same time. Um, or,
0: actually, one of the ideas that Apple really should do, like right now, like the Whip Around Show is doing, like analysis will show goals. Like, I want to show like one week of, where we're only going to highlight cards. Where we're gonna highlight every yellow card, every red card, every foul that should have been a card. Like we're just gonna do a card-centric show and see the most housery we can get. Like I'd watch that for a week.
3: There's yeah. no way they're gonna like throw the referees union under the bus that way.
0: They do no, it every no. week on Twitter.
1: Was okay. The- <laughs> okay, timeout. Timeout. MLS, MLS Twitter does it every single. Oh
3: God, here we go. Manchester United referee apologist. Let's go.
1: <laughs> okay. Well,
2: <laughs> so just for a second, pro referees doesn't let them throw them under the bus if you watch the clips on twitter they intentionally (laughs) pick clips where the ref is right and they never and and if you look at the replies people people of of teams who have legitimately been wronged um will post clips of all the things that are clearly wrong and they just don't get covered it's the most propaganda thing possible to be fair that is their job it it is their job that's why we don't trust andrew (laughs) weeby
3: I guess since we're on this subject, you guys want to talk about the ref last night? Like, he didn't cost us the game. I just thought he was straight up bad for both teams, but I don't know if you guys had a different opinion.
1: I thought he let a lot go. I thought he, I thought he let a lot of stuff go last night.
3: Yeah, they, they were, were a couple, like, both ways. Like, clear fouls not called, and, like, not at all fouls called, and, like, whatever, it's an MLS ref.
2: It's kind of my read on it. I mean, he seemed to not care about any player, like, hip-checking another player to get the ball, because there were a couple both ways on that, and, like, Owen kind of took hold of that a little bit, which was good to see, but you're watching, and it, <laughs> it was like a hockey check. Like, we would just, like, crash into them and take the ball, and then, like, nothing happened.
1: <laughs> there was a play, I think it was in the first half, where we clearly hip-checked their guy for the ball. Yeah. Yeah. Three of our players are standing next to each other, Zardis and I forget two others, and they stood there for a solid two seconds, like, what? That didn't get called? And then they finally started running. Yes, (laughs) I remember that, because they were just like, wait, really? Like, no, (laughs) did we just not hear the
3: whistle? Or like, maybe you like fumbled it in your mouth or something? And he's just like, no, go ahead. And we're like,
0: Okay. (laughs) no i mean it's like we don't expect mls refs to be good we just want them to be relatively consistent and alan chapman was relatively consistent last night and that's we'll take that over ted Unkeling or some of the other things that this league can provide
3: yeah i would take that refereeing performance any day of the week even though i thought it was like general bad it was kind of like okay whatever we kind of know what we're getting okay um so we did some positives anything else you guys want to talk about before we wrap up here
1: I, I just – overall, I was very happy with opening day energy in the stadium. Like, it felt like a big game. It felt like an opening day. Um, it's good to see everybody in their seats early and loud. And, yeah, I, hopefully that energy stays, you know, and people don't just bail on a week. I don't think they will. But, um, you know, and, and also kudos to the City fans. They were loud. They were coordinated. They only had a few chants, which to be expected um but they were they were very impressive in their in their corner last night
3: they worked uh really hard in the writer's room because when i was still up there in a uh, part-time luligan we had oh st louis fc and now it's oh st louis city oh so I'm, I'm sure it uh it took them quite a few hard weeks and a lot of coffee to get that one down
1: yeah they also uh, had the uh uh the we're not gonna take it take off of uh oh st louis city where uh, st louis city so it's basically a columbus ripoff yeah um you know all the all the chants were certainly things that we've heard elsewhere and they love the um the seven nation army one that they did oh so, yeah but, yeah but i'll, I'll really give them really this they were loud there. for a first year team first guy first team on the road um they they brought a bunch of people their folks were nice like no issues at all all day even the ones that popped over to hop squad were just super cool some of them even bought some most very merch from us just for the experience yeah, yeah there was cool. a
2: lot of scarf trading at hop squad before the match um i noticed that like in the march over and, and seeing them and i talked to a handful of them they were all just excited to have a team
1: yeah
2: and like it was kind of it was kind of easy to bond with them because you know we're you know we're in our third year we know what it's like yeah. and they 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 have those same feelings that we have of oh this is a sport i love this is a club i love
0: that's starting and like they're all in. Yeah, I mean, this is this was their Denver day. Like this was their like. Oh yeah. Hey, like they. I still don't ex- watching that team last night. Like I think that they might be better than last place. I will say that one of the nice things about being on my couch rather than at uh, Q two last night was that I got to see a bunch of the Houston Cincinnati game. Houston, looked, uh, yeah, they lost 2-1 last night, but they won on XG. They looked better than FC Cincinnati. They did not look like a team that was just going to be a team that you're going to be able to walk right over. And they get two weeks off before they play us when we will have played three matches right before that match something that I'm – it's going to be their home opener at their renovated stadium with nicer seats that no one will be sitting in. That Because um, they're all gonna- standing, <laughs> right, Seth? Yeah, right of into course, the game. exactly. <laughs> of course. Oh. oh, gosh. Oh. But uh- – no, but as we're going through it, that I don't expect the St. Louis City team to make the playoffs, but I do expect that this is got to be one of their top three highlights of the season. And Charlotte did not look good last night. And I mean, they're, they're, they had a really difficult offseason with the death of Anton Walks. And as another thing, I don't know how it came across in Austin, but at least on Apple, they did a really good job of highlighting the black armbands, the moment of silence at most matches. I'm sure 80% of people in Austin didn't even know what was going on there, but that's what it is. Um, But there's a – as you're going through that, it's going to be – the West is going to be tough again, and it's going to be a really interesting ride. So I'm glad that St. Louis City got to experience that. And it's – but the one thing I really do want to see from City is, like, there's such a large Bosnian community. Get one chant in Bosnian, and I will give a lot more respect to the fans. Like, you've had 13 years of being an SG through multiple teams to come up with something. Embrace a larger part of your community that I think that they could have some re- potential to do something really cool and different than what people perceive as, as the Midwest. Or
2: like I, I, a, love how, I love how odd brands <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry, I love how on brand Seth has been on this uh podcast because he corrected us about MLS rules about uh, uh substitution windows and then uh, also called for chance in Bosnian.
3: Yeah. <laughs> ab- absolutely. So like you could also just like take one line and put it in Bosnian and like a normal everybody does this MLS song. I will say that's also a way better idea than trying to hear like a bunch of forty five year old Midwestern white people try to do like country grammar in the stands. God, that'd be white. amazing if they had a country yes. grammar stand.
2: Yeah, yeah. I 100%. want that
3: now. Delhi is like deep. you can you can you know work it in but like don't actually try to like rap the song for across like 5000 people for the love of god please we all know the words everybody from St. Louis knows the words but like <laughs> please don't do that that would be horrible <laughs> No, actually I, now I, I want to see that damn it i talked myself into it
0: yeah you do yes. want to see that yes. Absolutely. no 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 you, you want to see it because the clips of that are going to go around the world and then people <laughs> are going to think that that's american football culture and I, I actually want to see the three-day discourse of that because it will be wonderful <laughs> hilarious and all sorts of other things
1: oh uh, seth real quick I, i'd like your opinion on it because you did watch more whip around and everything last night who were the shockingly disappointing teams out in other parts of the league and who were the teams that were pretty good for night one.
0: Um, so uh, I'll just go quickly match by match. Philly is who we thought they were. I did have laugh. So um, Columbus went up one nil in uh, Chester um, last night and Cucho Hernandez shushed the crowd. And then Philly comes oh back and scores four goals. It was so on brand for Columbus that I was like, wow, we wanted to put this on a poster. And it's like, and Couture Hernandez is one of the top players in the league. He is an outstanding – I mean, I'm still really impressed that Columbus got a double-digit goal score from the Premier League to go to Columbus, Ohio. Like, crazy. Yeah. But, like, him shushing the crowd and then Philly being like, oh, we remembered we're Philly, was pretty awesome. Um, Atlanta was a story of their uh, DPs that you had um, Luis Oroco, who um, – Missed the worst, I think maybe one of the worst penalties I've ever seen in MLS history. He missed the goal by over a foot on a PK. Like, was, all four of us could have at least put the ball on frame. Like, it was, it was bad. Um, but then uh, Tiago Almada had two of the prettiest goals. If you haven't seen the goals that he scored in stoppage time to um, beat San Jose, they were world class. And he is going to break Miguel Almiron's yeah. record. This
1: guy the the free kick was unbelievable to in the the final play of the game. That was just yeah, wow.
0: The free kick was absurd, but I think the first goal, like the fact that he found space about 24 yards out and launched it in, it was just like, are you kidding me? I mean, Atlanta spent a lot of money getting him, but I mean he they might sell him for 40 million. Well, I mean, I guess Chelsea's just gonna keep buying players. I mean, he'd be cheap (laughs) at 40 million for them.
2: Keep buying players, keep
0: not scoring goals. It's great. Hey, you know what? Like, I'm perfectly, I think all four of us on this call are perfectly content <laughs> to just watch Chelsea just spend away to, um, you know what? Like, we're going to start talking about a relegation fight pretty soon. If hey, keep losing.
1: Y'all,
3: y'all know oh, my your special edition in <gasps> episoding, if that comes even remotely close to a possibility. Y'all know
1: my European in, uh, intent, which is watch all the teams spend a ton of money and then, like, the absolute worst team who spends nothing come up and win it. That's fantasy of mine i need that to happen
3: i mean that's yeah. sort of what lester did
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it is. i mean there's a reason why it's remembered <laughs>
0: yeah like I mean, it, it, it is an absolutely wild um situation so uh, other matches around the league um inter miami looked solid enough beating montreal i mean it wasn't anything like world class but i think inter miami is going to get progressively better throughout the season actually just an aside every every match last night had over 85 percent attendance Uh, based on, like, stadiums, like, I think one of the things that's going to be really good about the 7.30 local start times for most matches, it's not going to be necessarily great for super fans like us. I mean, maybe a little better for me, but... It, and then you guys, but it's like, okay, like, I mean, I'll go to matches here in Chicago or traveling or other things like that. So I'm not just going to be on my couch every Saturday night. But if, if for people like that, it's going to be the TV ratings aren't going to be great, but you're going to see full stadiums a lot more frequently. Cause this is going to be the time where you're going to get the most people to show up at matches and the stadiums look, I mean, Charlotte had 69,000 last night. Atlanta had over 65,000. Even Vancouver looked pretty full at BC place. Um, And yes, the really good graphics, the 1080 um, picture on Apple just shows you how bad, none of you have been to BC Place before, right? No, no. That field is so atrocious. And like you would be like, oh, it's just because of the terrible picture quality of anything else. Apple did such a good job of showing just how bad the field looked last night, that it's just, especially for some of these late night matches, you're coming back, you're hungover from a match. You're like, wow, is it really that bad? And you're like, no, it really is that bad. (laughs) <laughs> um but I, I mean I mean, obviously, some of that is an opening week effect. But, like, I'll be curious how attendance looks into April and May. But with 18 teams making the playoffs, you should have very few – without relegation, obviously. And that's never happening in MLS. You're going to have very few dead rubber matches. So, like, you should hopefully be able to keep fans coming to games. They get used to coming at a regular time. It's not the – even in the NFL, like, people are like, have yeah, fixed kickoff times and things like that. But, like, I hear it from here. The Packers fans hate it because they have to go to – I don't want to have another 325, another 7 o'clock kickoff on a sunday saturday night people for the most part don't have as much to do on sundays it's consistent get fans in the seats and create a better atmosphere across the league
3: good yeah i would much rather have a good uh, in-person product than kind of orient this for tv the way some of the uh, premier league stuff goes um all right while we're wrapping up we got to do this uh don't pick the obvious one uh charles you want to lead us off with your biggest moment of suffering
2: Besides, besides the most obvious one, you can't pick the um, obvious one. Oh man, um, I, I <sighs> worst moment of suffering besides the obvious one, which was the most obvious of obvious ones ever. Um, actually, I think it was the third goal because at that moment I had this sudden realization that we were absolutely going to lose. <laughs>
3: uh, and if you go watch the replay, Kip actually messes up twice. Not only does he get done once, classes the ball, he's late stepping up and plays him on side.
2: Yep, I mean, here's the thing, like. Yes, Kippy did not play a strong match last night. It's one
3: game, be a goldfish, forget
2: it. Exactly, but also the last time he started a match, he was responsible for both goals and got sent off. So in some (laughs) ways, this is actually an improvement.
3: (laughs) Okay, with a
1: positive spin at the end, I like it. Here we go. Uh, Brad, you want to go next? So it's going to sound weird, but there was a free kick in the first half where Stuber had to make a really good save moving to his left. But at that point, I was like, oh, shit, this team's actually way better than I thought they were, talking about St. Louis, and kind of knew we were in for a dogfight all night and could not relax the rest of the night
0: like I hoped to. So that that's mine. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with a slight bit of a curveball here. We barely mentioned Nick Lima in the 75 minutes we've been talking here. And Nick Lima had one of his signature Nick Lima balls um, that... Went over the goal, but we did want a corner off of it in the second half. And now I'm afraid because he had such a, a ball that was a terrible ball. I don't know if it was supposed to be a cross, a shot, or whatever it was, just Nick Lima being Nick Lima. But the fact that you want a corner from it means that we're going to see like 20 to 30 more of these the rest of the season. And that's going to cause future suffering, and that's just not good for us. Look, he's he's not going to stop. <laughs> like – we were
2: naive enough to think that he was going to score one of those at some point,
1: well, but he's I not going to stop. I don't know if he was trying to float that in for a shot or if he was trying to float that in for a header. Like, it it was really weird because it happened right in front of me, and I could not tell what was he trying to do with that shot or play or whatever the hell you want to call it. I mean, we'll call it a
3: shass and be nice. <laughs> uh, dude. That kind of, like, shot-to-pass hockey move. <laughs> um, that, that's what it was. Um so we're trying to end on positives here. Uh, I'm going to go for a brief moment uh, and it doesn't actually like super count. I thought the Drew uh, goal was offside and I thought we were going to get barred after getting back into the game like that. Uh, and I was just like, oh, this beautiful goal. Nobody's ever going to see. Um, but obviously he was, he was on and and we were good. And I think the other one is um, when we all kind of realized Julio was coming off and it was actually down, down. Uh, I know we, uh, we kind of sometimes say, okay, well, he has his Julio moments, but you know, that's usually, like, one a game, and I, I don't think any of us were ready for a full, like, cold off the bench kippy to play that game. And I think everybody kind of went, okay, this is going to be uh, – it, it's a bad omen if one of your starters gets hurt 15 minutes into the first game. Yeah. But any other positive takeaways? Like, it's one game, rest of the season in front of us. It was a weird game. They were coming out with a bunch of energy. They play a weird style. We had the whole injury thing. I'm with Brad this game we win we actually come back and win two to one or three to one without the weird aberration that I don't think is ever going to happen again um so like put it behind us like we go again on Saturday like let's go get our three points
1: yeah that's that's where I am it's it's a long year somebody made the point in Slack this morning too or maybe I saw about Twitter I don't remember where but and and it's a totally different vibe because it's a month-long tournament versus a year-long league but you know we forget Argentina lost their first game to Saudi Arabia, right? Yeah. Um, In the World Cup. (laughs) And we know who won the World Cup. Nobody cares about that opening game. So, and I'm not saying we're going to go win it because it's a We're going to win the World Cup. Yeah, we're going (laughs) to win the World Cup. Uh, But point being is that it's one game and it it cannot define the rest of the year. So, you just go out, you win next week, and you you go potentially get a win or have a good performance against Violet, and all of a sudden the season – is back on track. I, I worry more quite frankly about the RSL game in a few weeks than anything, just because the- I'm
0: already, I'm already counting the RSL game as a loss. Like it is a point where like, I'm just accepting that as a loss. I will say one really good sign, I just went on my SeatGeek app and looked, was looking at prices for um, the get-in. I was like, I'd be curious if there was going to be a big dip in get-in prices for the Montreal match. Um, and there's, I mean, they're still starting at $83 right now, but it also is saying that there are official box office tickets because Montreal did not buy um, very many visitor seats. So yeah. like, I'm sure they will count it as a sellout, but the match is technically not sold out but I, I'm a- sure it will. they will give away tickets to some group or someone else to make sure to sell out. But they will play sellout games here. But also, like, if your tickets are $83, like, I wouldn't mind seeing them get dropped a little bit at this point. But i will be something that's really interesting to watch throughout the week if they start sliding down the ticket prices a little bit to make sure it's still full in the house.
3: Yeah, when we were walking up to the stadium, um, my dad was asking me, like, oh, do you know how, how many people have fit in the stadium? 20,738. Well oh, wow. Like did you like look that up? No, they tell us every game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like I want to remove this from my brain. I don't need this information. <laughs> um any other positives before we get out of here? No. no, no. Leo, in jerseys. I oh, say. we didn't talk about the kids.
1: Oh. We well, don't I was gonna
0: say I'll do one, one thing before that is that there's a we didn't have any cards last night, did we? No, we didn't. The only card I think was the early one in the
1: first half against yeah. uh against st louis yep. yeah so that's correct so,
0: yeah so hey we don't have to start a uh, danny counter we don't have to start any i'm sure we will in a few weeks i mean we're going to rsl we'll get our obligatory like red card there. <laughs> yeah. but um, that, say, um as we're as they're going through things there it's uh, that was at least a positive to start the season on.
3: all right uh,
1: do you want to talk about the kids real quick yeah Corey, let's all...
3: talk about the kids i saw them in the verde store last week because when they first came out i was like I kind of hate these and then sometimes you see them and you're like okay that actually looks a lot better in person and like the back and the um like side striping just looks like super amateur to me even with numbers on it I don't know if you guys have a different take but I thought I would like them more on players and I absolutely do not
2: they are they are so so terrible in every way they are (laughs) they are over designed they they managed to split what they did, in all honesty, is they split the kit into different size boxes and then put different sized lines in all of those boxes and didn't make any of them line up and didn't make it have any cohesion. And then the back is just blank. It doesn't make any sense from any perspective. Like, I, um, through an acquaintance of an acquaintance of an acquaintance, I knew what the kit looked like. Or I saw a picture of the kit, like, a while ago. And immediately, my first thought was, Adidas is trying to make it so we don't get a third jersey by giving us the ugliest design possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're well, we'll be seeing a lot more of it this
3: year, so get used to it, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it, it's, it's jarring at first because we were so used to having a black back on the – especially because when you're watching a match on TV, most of the time you're not actually seeing the front of the kit. You're mostly seeing the back of the kit. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the shade of Verde on the black looks like they're Seattle Sounder kits, not necessarily Austin FC kits. And I was like, I know I'm not watching the Sounders right now, but like, it's gonna be really confusing when we play Seattle.
1: Yeah, I uh, I'm assuming Seattle's gonna have to wear the red, the red uh, yeah. alternates they have now. Uh, so I'm, I'm sure, I, go. like those are those are great kits. Yeah, I'm very much on record as I despise everything about these kits. Um, I don't mind the green back so much, I guess. The only other thing I don't, I actually do like about the kit is I like the jock tag on the back with the ATX. I think that's kind of neat. That is cool. Uh, yeah but everything else no and austin fc <laughs> i love you very much you get my money for season tickets i've got more merch than i care to admit to i have spent more money on road games than i care to admit to you are never getting a dime out of me with this damn jersey
0: <laughs> and then and, and, and so i have not bought the kit either unlike last two seasons where i have i've also seen like at least five or six different people that have mentioned that the authentic kits have already ripped yeah, I've seen the same thing. They're starting to, their
1: threads are coming out or it's, it's there's issues all over the place with them. I will say this, it's a very polarizing kit. There are people who absolutely love the thing. And I, I, I know this exists. And there were a lot of people wearing them last night. A lot of folks had the new kit on yesterday. You're just not getting it from me. Same. Yeah. Fair enough. I mean, I, I
3: was really trying to like them, and I was like, you know, I don't want to spend whatever it is, 200 bucks for an authentic because you can't buy the replica because it doesn't breathe at all. And you're not sitting in the Texas sun um, yeah. wearing that replica. So I was just like, all right, well, I kind of grew to like the mint kit. Like, maybe it'll grow on me. And then, like, the more I was watching both the game and uh, and just seeing people in them, I was like, I just absolutely cannot stand these.
1: No, no. And it's it's weird to me because you have a template of how to do Verde Black Stripes in Sassuolo, who have changed the stripe patterns and everything at times, or sizing or whatever, but they've never really strayed too, too far, and they constantly have classic and good kits. Just follow the pattern, man. Yeah, I mean, you can even do, like, kind of a only a
3: slight tweak or, like, add a color or something on it. Like, they do it with their, you know, iconic Premier League kits all over, and they still, like, manage to slightly change them every year. So give me money, give me money. You can still buy them. Like, yeah. just, just mix it up a little bit, or you could do the kind of a uh, – thinning out the stripes or something like that just change it up a little bit and like go back to the back black or the yeah the black back please
2: yeah i mean because the thing is that if they wanted to put like the white striping in like you could still do that with the original design and tweak the original design a little bit and it would look good it just they (laughs) they just went crazy with stripes like (laughs) i don't know how else to explain it
0: I mean, I do appreciate – I mean, I'm not a fan of these kits. I think we're, we're all in agreement on that. But I do appreciate the uh, watching all the other matches. The new Philly kits that look like have the Simpsons clouds, I think those <laughs> those look really good. Uh, you might, might not agree with me on that, but I thought that those came across really well on TV. Um, starting to go through. There were a few of them that were confusing, like the D.C.-Toronto match, which was also another crazy match. If you guys want to go back and watch that. D.C. had a um, 89th-minute equalizer and a 98th-minute winner because Toronto doesn't believe in playing defense. That Ooh. should be a real fun match when Toronto comes to comes to Austin. I mean, bet the over. Free advice, whatever it is. 7-4, 7-4. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, <laughs>
3: we'll,
0: maybe we'll get that one of these days. But uh, it, was it was like, okay, D.C. was Yeah, because Toronto was in their black kits and DC was in their white kits. And I was watching this and I was like, I can't – yes, the score bug tells you which teams are which. But, like, I mean, even in the World Cup we had some of those matches where it's like, okay, well, both of these teams could realistically be wearing both of these colors. Like, I want to at least have a – I shouldn't have to look at the score bug to figure out which team is wearing which kit.
3: And that's a problem
0: when that's the case.
3: Yeah. All right, we're almost to 90 minutes and I try to make sure these aren't longer than the actual game so um we're uh, we actually had a um a world cup episode where uh somebody was trying to get their uh, significant other to listen they said i'm not listening to a 90 min- or a 95 minute podcast about a 90 minute game and so i uh I, i'm hanging on to that one for a while that's totally um, fair yeah that's completely fair It's like i never thought about it that way because i definitely do that but that's a good uh good marker to have um you can find seth anywhere he's easy to find uh follow the false nine texas um brad's on twitter at au underscore trout you can follow us on instagram at sfj podcast um anything else just kind of let us know we're pretty easy to find uh if you found your way here i'm sure you can get in touch with one of us and uh thanks for suffering with us
0: impossible. The Bears season's going to end on a double doink. Altidore squares it. Dempsey's missed it. Donovan has it. From hope, there is glory.